This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I am your host, James Kent. Businesses are under constant threat from cyber criminals bent on hacking into their systems. IT departments are under 24-7 alert, and every day, cyber attacks get more sophisticated. If the daily battle against these threats weren't bad enough, along comes the COVID-19 pandemic. With workers leaving the office for a remote work environment and conducting business through various online meeting apps, the security risks just got higher. Reports of hackers getting into video conferences and compromising company data through phishing email scams are on the rise since the pandemic hit. So how should we be thinking about security for our business during this unique time in our history? To help with that, I'm going to turn things over to my two guests, Sean Farrell, Chairman and Founder of Managed Solution, and Dominic Singer, Vice President of Business Development for Cybersecurity with Telerus. Sean and Dominic, it is a pleasure having you both on the podcast today. Uh, great yeah, to be good here. to meet you, James. All right. Well, I'm going to let you two uh, kick it off. Cool. Sean, why don't you take a quick moment, just give an overview of who you guys are and what you guys do. Sure. Yeah. Um, a company's name is Managed Solution. Um, it is really focused in the managed security service space. And what we mean by managed is just, you know, as threats continue to come into our environments, the goal is, is to understand them, identify them, and then ultimately be able to respond very quickly to them. So we leverage a lot of tools, but behind that, our company, Managed Solution, is really the integrator and the ongoing manager of the security tools that we have inside of our organization. So just kind of a managed security service firm. That's awesome. And uh, for the folks out there, you know me, but just a quick background. This is Dominic. I'm with Tolaris. We are the master broker and we sit between the suppliers, the excellent suppliers we have like Managed Solution and our network of a thousand, you know, thousands of partners out there. And we really help uh, our partners figure out how to bring the right solutions to their customers. And so today, the topic is really going to be around this concept of unified threat management. Now, now we've—I'm uh, sure many of you out there have heard the term. It's been a buzz phrase. It's been you know productized and so on and so forth and marketed all over the place. But we really want to kind of pick apart what it means. Last time, you know, I talked about in order to build a good cybersecurity strategy, you know, it, the mindset should be business first, focusing on business outcomes. And you know, there's a lot that gets into that. I tend to talk a lot of theoretics, a lot of philosophy, even though I have background in being a customer, having deployed these types of services. And today, I wanted to bring Sean on to really help our audience understand practically what does it mean to deploy these solutions? What is this whole idea of unified threat management? How do we even help any organization be successful in this world of cybersecurity challenges and to not feel hopeless? You know, oftentimes we have customers coming to us and partners coming to us thinking like, you know, there may not be an option here. There may not be an answer. It's hopeless. You know, let's just throw up the white flag and surrender. And Sean and I are passionate advocates for that. Does not have to be the case if you do security smartly. So with that, Sean, I'd like to just kind of make this a nice Q&A today and, and ask you a few questions along the way and keep the conversation flowing. Surely, yeah, absolutely. 
and then the first one I'm going to jump into kind of leads to where I was going from with my last conversation. And, you know, from your perspective, and I know you've helped, and you can even talk with uh, anecdotally if you'd like to, or specifically, you've helped, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of customers. So in your mind, you know, how do you see prioritizing security needs? How do you see helping organizations build security roadmaps? And where do you even help them start? Sure. So I, I always use the analogy, everybody's familiar with the shopping store target. Everybody knows who they are out there. So you sort of have that target symbol. You have the red little dot in the middle, the white, and then the red on the outside. And sometimes there's that Spuds McKenzie looking dog there. But, you know, there's like three in my world, three elements to security. There's sort of a we call the tools that sit on premise or sit in some sort of cloud that sort of have, you know, what we call, you know, give you protection. And, and, the, and the best and the simplest way we describe security is kind of like, you know, a customer having their own kingdom. You have to kind of protect, you know, from the outside in the castle walls, you know, you have to have your moats and your alligators and your catapults and all that stuff to make sure that threats from the outside can't get in your people on horseback who are patrolling the forest to, you know, see if anything seems suspicious. So, you know, if you use that analogy, you think about tools like, you know, threat protection tools, information protection tools, I mean, all common, we'll call it acronyms that we hear in the industry, that's kind of the first step. And those are just tools that sort of give us I'll call it data or logs to tell us, you know, what might, you know, be out there looking at us. And then, of course, from the inside of the castle, the kings, the queens, the knights, the princesses, all that good stuff, a lot of information comes out of our, you know, tools that we use, whether it's email or, or conferencing tools like, you know, Zoom or, or Teams or WebEx. And so all that data has to be protected. And so then you start talking about things like rights and what's called data loss. So we don't lose data that shouldn't be leaving our organization. So that's kind of like the tools that become the first stage. And then with that, as we sort of take and ingest all that data and information that's moving across, you know, the, the identities of our people, as we call them, you know, the second piece is how do I sort of pull that into some tool or some platform that gives me a unified way of mitigating threats, so unified threat management. And then, of course, you know, the third, you know, that target symbol, the third step of that is, you know, if I'm going to see all this information coming in and I'm going to see these potential advanced threats coming into my organization, how do I mitigate those? And that becomes your you know, your SOC type operation that we provide. So, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, we can mitigate real quick if we see a threat, you know, pull a firewall offline, pull a switch offline, pull a any type of network or systems device off, offline very quickly and potentially revert back if, if we did get some sort of attack and, and be able to operate as normal. So there's kind of three stages for us, but those are kind of at a very high level how we look at security. Uh, that's awesome, Sean. You know, that um, actually ties into some of the stumps that I've been on quite a bit, and I probably will be on forever. Uh, you know, that, and to me, uh, you know, building a security strategy, I mean, there's a lots of different ways to do a lot of different components, but uh, I think of the fundamentals. And one of the fundamentals is people, processes, and technology. And I harp on this all the time. And it really, it's to your analogy of, of you know, that castle and the other concept in security that's maybe more technical that's been used in the past is this idea of defense and depth or layered security. And what that really means is that you've got a lot of different point solutions and you have to stitch between all of that, you know, a good perspective in order to understand what your posture looks like. So taking that a little bit further, and we're going to get into unified threat management here in just a moment and how we deal with that. But in starting to build a security strategy, and even in this day and age, and we're going to get into COVID-19 here just a little bit to the new world order that we see about remote workers and, you know, the loose perimeter that we have. But oftentimes what we have seen, and I know, Sean, you can attest to this because you've come in and done the cleanup as well. But, you know, we've seen customers that have 
you know, bought a lot of point solutions and they focused on buying good technology, but they didn't think about, do they have the right people? Do they have the right skills to manage that technology? And then probably more importantly, do they have the right process in place to effectively manage that technology? Do they have change control processes in place? And so really what we're talking about putting the strategy together, it's that holistic view. You know, how do you really look across your entire ecosystem of, of point solutions and through that stitch together real situational awareness, understanding where to focus your time, whether it is new solutions that you need to deploy. You know, identity and access management is a tough problem to solve for. There's a lot of point solutions in there, but that must tie into your overall strategy. And so back to what Sean was talking about, rights management, data protection. I mean, there's a lot of things that get implied there about this whole concept about layered security. And, and then we get into this whole idea of threat detection and threat management, which is a big animal in and of itself. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, Sean, I kind of want to uh, have a little fun with you and talk about one of my, my passionate topics, which is you know this idea of compliance and security. You know, so for regulated industries, you know they often use compliance, and it, and I understand it, right? It is a driver for budget. You know, they're able to get budget to buy security solutions, but um, you know, well, let me ask you, what's your opinion really around you know compliance and security, and where do you see the relationship between the two? Yeah, well, and you said it perfectly at the beginning. I mean, it starts with a business outcome. And I got to say, I mean, COVID and, you know, just even pre-COVID between, you know, whether you're in a different, you know, outside of the U.S. and you deal with things like GDPR or you're inside of a state within the United States like California, you know, the you know, California Privacy Act, or you work in a specific industry like pharma or healthcare, you have to deal with things like HIPAA or NIST compliance. If you're in the government sector, you know, it starts with that. And most companies, you know, trying to trying to get their head wrapped around what security means in those companies uh, is a challenge for them. And they're trying to figure out, one, you know, what are the tools, as you alluded to, that I need to kind of get in place to sort of meet those compliancy needs. But then, like you said, behind that, you know, what kind of people do I have to have, whether it's a CISO at the top mandating or kind of governing how we put in a, a compliance strategy, all the way down to having like a, a knock or a sock to be able to say, hey, if these advanced threats come in, I want to be able to see them and mitigate them before they happen. So it's a whole strategy that I think COVID has definitely pushed. And the more we're on the kind of open web and doing conferencing and working from home, I think it's going to push even harder and more actors or hackers, as we call them, are going to be out there trying to jump into our networks. But it's really happening more so than ever as a lot of these mandates have came down from the federal, state, and even you know international government. So it's been interesting to watch. Yeah, and uh, I I always summarize it as you know compliance just doesn't equal security, and to do security right again, going back to the fundamentals that Sean and I are talking about, you really need to have a good viewpoint, a good strategy around how you have all these different tools, you know how effectively you're managing them, and if not, you know you should leverage a service provider to manage that capabilities. And so with that, Sean, I know that you know today the really the idea wasn't to uh, isn't to talk a lot about services that we offer, but I think it's important to let you know anybody out there listening know you know what we can bring to the table. And I know that you've got a fantastic set of services. And you know, we just talked about you know, COVID-19. And I think the reality is that uh, a lot of our customers out there, a lot of organizations in general, are you know, certainly going to have to take a look at the staffing that they have and you know, how they're going to effectively manage security, as well as manage their IT. So in whether it's regulated environments or not, you know, can you talk maybe just a, a little bit about you know how you might come in and and you know help organizations, whether it's from a consulting practice, whether it's from building a strategy and roadmap, or whether it's you know just doing you know infrastructure management? Would you mind want to just take a few minutes to talk a little bit about what you bring to the table? 
Sure, sure. We talked about, you know, just and keep it simple. I mean, because technology is based on every like the, the email is based upon how the postal system delivers mail in today's world. So a lot of stuff is actually follows um, sort of real life examples. But let's talk about this. So in every business, every single employee in our organization, every single person they communicate with is an identity. And there's tools within that business that, you know, kind of, you know, we call it, it's like God, it basically governs what those identities are able to do. So that's products like Active Directory and some other, you know, tools that talk about identity management, which is a huge topic right now, because anything that, you know, in our business under our identity that we have access to sort of proliferates, meaning if, you know, I'm given, if I'm in sales and I have access to my CRM tool and that CRM tool has access to sending information to the outside world, like a quote, suddenly that identity management platform super important to the business. So if that's not set up right, that's an issue. I'll back up a little bit and talk a little bit more about, you know, users and sort of how, you know, you look at threats and all that. So in the world right now, people are thinking of you're seeing in, you know, the way we log into a bank, we have those multi-factor ways of authenticating into our bank. So, you know, we get our codes into our phones or the questions that we answer or the pictures that we have to click on. All good stuff. But again, um, the other thing we have to think about is even though I'm the real person with that ability to authenticate, what about the people who are not and who are trying to access the, 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 the business or the kingdom from the outside? That's where we talk about, you know, security, not just being one tool or one product, but having sort of a multi-layered approach to security. So having that advanced threat protection, advanced threat analytics type stuff to make sure that, you know, even though I'm the real person logging in, those other people that seem like me, we also notice them on the outside coming in. To me, getting a start in security is is pretty straightforward. I mean, most companies are doing what I'll call, I mean, a lot of people call them pen testing, you know, vulnerability scans. I mean, even starting as simple as doing simulated phishing attacks, which are, I mean, readily available out there through, you know, products you may already own, like an Office 365, you know, we have a way to go in there and do what's called a secure score. It's like take a take a credit check on your security posture and kind of see where the holes are inside of your security strategy that then starts to move the needle towards being compliant. So I, I always recommend to customers kind of figure out where you sit today in the world of security and then figure out, you know, what tools do I want to start to layer on top of that to meet, you know, compliance needs or just start to feel like my organization is doing things the right way. The second piece to that is really around size of customer. And this is a big one. So there is a million different security products out there in market today. And I always advise customers, you know, they're not all created equal. And in some cases, some of the very large enterprise clients, you know, we work with Azure from Microsoft and they have SIEM tools inside of there. It's called Azure Sentinel. We don't necessarily recommend those tools for the small business because one of the things that the smaller business products do for security, like Sentinel One, which is a different product, or Foresight, is really have the ability to not only detect threats that are coming in, but actually have what we call playbooks to be able to mitigate those threats. And in some of the bigger solutions out there, Dom, you end up having to build those on your own inside of the organization. So it becomes a people intensive thing. So we do assess size of customer, industry that they're in, certain clients, you know, work who are in government have there's better tools um, from a seam or a security tool perspective that work better in those industries. So it just depends. So we kind of align it with the customer size segments and, and really just where they sit today in their current security posture. Thanks, Sean. And that's, again, that goes back to the our core theme of what both you and I are passionate about and a lot of our peers are passionate about is that in doing security right, it's business first. And, you know, one of the things I know that your team can come in and do is, is take a look at what tools already have been deployed. And this is something I think that we would encourage our, our entire audience to think about. You know, if you have customers, if you are, you know, an organization that, you know, is looking to buy more security services, 
I would suggest you know taking a strong look at what tools you already have in place versus going to look at buying more tools. And this again goes back to a strategy. And this really fundamentally boils down to good risk management and understanding those critical assets. You know, you might have some maybe not best in breed tools, but maybe if you augmented those tools with the, you know maybe more refined processes or you know maybe leveraging a service provider that knows how to more effectively manage those tools and make some tweaks and enhance the capabilities and then you spend your budget your limited budget on maybe some other capabilities right i think you can't make that shift unless you really come at it with a strategic mindset and and really understanding your overall security program and security posture and having a solid handle on you know what's already been deployed and frankly, what projects do we have that are half-baked? You know, what technology do we buy that we love because you know, our security professional told us, and now we're using maybe a tenth of its capability because it was more complicated than we thought in trying to administer it. So anyway, that's a huge animal we could open up into, but uh, let's get into the topic at hand, unified threat management. Sean, we've got remote workers out there. Uh, I think that it's probably going to be some semblance of what we're going to see for the few years to come, if not uh, maybe the um, you know long-term future of organizations trying to figure out you know what does it look like to operate in the uh, the post-COVID world. So, what do you see out there in terms of risks around remote workers, and then how are you, are you thinking about unified threat management when you've got this really loose perimeter and maybe even untrusted devices, and then tying that into uh, any of the customers' existing security infrastructure? Yeah, it's a big topic, and again, I, I hate to say this, but you know, for for the world that we live in, we're all human, and we all want tools that make us from a technology perspective more productive so we love our video conferencing tools and we love our you know word processing tools and i mean a lot of our office 365 you know platforms out there that everybody's using so when we talk about security and what's happening on the back end you know a lot of companies are not necessarily interested in listening because you know it's just all this stuff that just kind of has to be there but people don't take serious but you know, with COVID, I think it's it's interesting because we're moving through this these phases, if you will. And I think this is going to continue. And I think COVID's accelerated the need for security. But, you know, the phases have sort of been, you know, how do I get my workforce to, as they're using the term, WFH, work from home? And I think a lot of companies were just scrambling to get remote access, whether that was through VPNs or you know, remote desktop service or just, you know, being able to access, frankly, through what we call direct access, just through an internet browser. So you don't even have to have a VPN anymore. And then from there, you know, they jumped right into the the, the conferencing tools, the, the Microsoft Teams, the Zooms, the WebExes, and they've had to really enable video now. I don't even think we're doing so much of that, you know, six months ago, a lot of it was, let's just do the audio conference. But what has been happening and what really opens up the potential threats is the fact that, you know, a lot of these technologies are not necessarily security wasn't top of mind for the providers and so that's where you know companies are coming back now and saying how do i just like it sounds how do i have a unified way of mitigating threats that come through my environment so that's where you're seeing a lot more of companies diving into the unified threat tools and and to be honest we had a recent example where a customer, you know, it was just through an email that came in, they clicked on an email, just a PDF, and that one email proliferated and cost, you know, the company getting what's called crypto locker or ransomware. And what was more interesting about it was that the insurance company who came in actually said it was a $250,000 Bitcoin purchase to get your data back said, you know, we're not going to necessarily insure you guys because you don't have sort of a unified way of mitigating threats. We're just starting to see companies take it more serious, but um, having something that's sort of ingesting, just like it sounds, information coming through our firewalls, our switches, our networks, our wireless access points, um, watching our video conference bridges. I mean, even down to you know watching our emails and our, our, our Word documents. I mean, those kind of things, every single one of those, our servers, 
our data centers, our clouds, all that coming into one tool is going to be critical because like I tell customers all the time, you can't have too many tools out there that you're trying to manage, especially when you have the human element involved. You have to have a way to have something that's unified where you can see all this data getting ingested. And there's a lot of tools to do that, but it's really about centralizing the technology onto one platform. All right, Sean. So right there, you know, you nailed again what I've been talking about and what you and I have been hitting on, you know, people, processes, and technology. And this concept of unified threat management, it is a lot more than just the tools. It is a lot more than just technology. I am not disparaging, you know, the great technology out there that is, you know, appliance based that is called unified threat management. You know, you buy our appliance, you're buying unified threat management. But that's not really what we're talking about here today. We're talking about how to effectively mitigate threats that get into an environment. And what that really means is exactly what you were just talking about, you know, that you've got that overarching holistic view uh, that has the right people, the right process and the right technology. And I'm very intentionally hammering that point home over and over again because it is the crux of a good security program. And, you know, so with that, could you maybe talk a little bit more together about, you know, how you do tie together uh, that vision uh, you know, that that situational awareness, if you will, around when threats move into an environment. So, you know, that example you used or that PDF that got compromised, you know, we have this notion in the industry called a kill chain. Okay, you could talk through that, but maybe for the audience that doesn't know what a kill chain is, could you talk through this idea of unified threat management and how your teams work to along those different layers and inside that castle, how you can stop those attacks in place or how you can identify and respond to them? What I was going to say is, I mean, like we go back to the first steps is understanding, you know, really what's at a very basic tools level. You know, what are the tools we're going to put into place? And to Dominic's point, you know, I can't stress enough. There's a lot of continuity around probably tools we already have inside of our businesses. I'd say 80 percent of the population out there is probably using like a Microsoft Office 365. So they have all their productivity tools. But believe it or not, a lot of the common what I'll call internal and external threat tools that are out there from advanced threat protection or information protection or or um, threat analytics. I mean, I mean, they all sound like what they do are there inside of those products. So we, you know, we highly recommend companies figure out how to integrate them and use some of the already existing, you know, ecosystem that Microsoft provides, for example, to create these policies that tell us things, you know, if, if for example, from an outside threat, if we see certain information seemingly crawling into our network, what does that look like? And then, of course, we talked about the inside of the network, you know, or, the, or within the people world, you know, how do we make sure that we at least set them up for success, whether it's, you know, making them change those passwords every 30 or so odd days with certain types of encryption or giving them, you know, the ability to set reset their own password, but enforcing those policies. Or if you're in certain worlds like healthcare or biotech, making sure that you know, when we go to send certain types of communication, email, or even, you know, chat, you know, we can't send, let's say, patient information to certain people, or that information gets stopped at an email for, to the next person, they can't forward it on. So all that rights management, all that good stuff, you have to integrate that uh, first and foremost to get things right. And then from there, you know, you've set the stage for a unified threat management tool or a seam to really go out and do its thing. So we can actually understand that, for example, in a UTM tool that this person, Sean Farrell, who's logging in, they don't they continue to log in. They don't seem to have, uh, they're not two-factor authenticating into our product. So ultimately, that may not be a, a real person or, or Sean, and not to mention they're doing it from Florida, not California. So suddenly that tool is able to do its job because it's ingesting all that data and then mitigating those threats, like you say, in the chain of events and saying, stop right there. 
just in case, potentially pull Sean's machine offline or pull that firewall offline that's connecting into, say, managed solution. And let's kind of analyze those threats and make sure they're not legitimate. But if you don't do it ahead of time in that chain, you know, one of those things that happens is, is that these call it actors or hackers, as we call them, get into the network and proliferate very quickly. And a lot of it's happening behind the scenes. And that's where it gets scary. I mean, a, a simple example where in a conferencing tool that we're all very familiar with and use every day in recent times, um, there was one video conference that was going on out there. And one of these actors came in, jumped on that conference. And what they really did was went into the back end of the actual mothership platform and took all of the passwords of all those people who use the product and then throughout, you know, took those passwords and tried them on customers' actual systems. And we're starting to hack into businesses. So it's pretty amazing how those things crawl through networks and then go back into the actual business who's using them and then potentially compromise their data. So it's really important to first protect with the tools, but then have a way to sort of overarchingly see what's happening around those tools through the, through these UTM type products. So, so that's where we start. And then again, like you say, Dominic, without the people on the back end to stop it, I mean, it's very hard to have a 24 by seven support team or a SOC as they call it, you know, systems operations, security operations center sitting there ready to mitigate those things as ACM come through. So it's always a combination of having good threat analytics or unified threat management tools to kind of make a decision to say through machine learning, hey, stop. But it's also important that a human sitting behind that to be able to then run those playbooks, as I mentioned, to be able to go back in and figure out what the next steps are. So there's sort of a whole chain of events that have to happen that we get involved with. Sean, do you think that small businesses are more vulnerable right now because of the pandemic and having their employees at home and may just, they, they didn't have systems in place to deal with that, but they knew that they had no choice but to get their employees home and working in a hurry. And so they had no choice but to use some of these video conference solutions. And of course, the hackers, this is a field day for them, and they know that there are businesses very vulnerable right now. So they go right in for the kill. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, I mean, there's, even, even though it seems so simple in our minds as business owners to say, okay, well, I sent everybody home. They all have laptops. They all can, they've always been able to connect back in. Even the way we do business has changed from home. I mean, from, you know, our internet connections that are here. I mean, there's, we're, our kids are at home now. We're so reliant on internet. So there's, it's just really, you know, a lot of people are saving more and more data to their personal devices, which is a no-no, but they're doing it. A lot more people, like I mentioned earlier, are getting away from just the conference bridges and getting into these video conference tools that are not secured. So it really was an afterthought because everybody had to, to rush out and get everybody just at least working so they could, quote unquote, collaborate with their teammates or their, their organizational players. So the answer is yes. And this, the short of that is, is that, you know, hackers have taken a different approach, whereas, you know, we don't sit on, with big firewalls at home to protect the, the networks. We don't collect logs at home of what's coming in and going out. Even our own personal information. I mean, I hate to say it. A lot of, you know, people's families and kids and everybody are in, in the business world are sharing devices at home. And so those devices is, you know, they come in and they put passwords in that their parent or, you know, wife had given them and vice versa, you know, that becomes a threat that, that, you know, we weren't thinking about. And it's just proliferating the whole concept of, you know, security. It's just, it, we're not secure at home. And it's just starting to happen where we're seeing a lot more breaches. And the average breach, I think the number I saw the other day was if a user clicks on an email and they get into an environment, the average cost of a breach is about $250,000. And that doesn't take into account that that's just the data that gets what I'll call lost and or the loss of productivity in the business. That doesn't take into account the fact that you're going to pay your insurers, legal counsel, 
obviously the ransom, if you have to pay it through those other provi- those other companies like a Bitcoin. I mean, it's it's very scary how these things add up very quick. And what we're more fearful of is that the insurers out there who insure us for cybersecurity are not going to insure companies anymore unless they have these unified threat management tools in place. That's awesome. And Sean, I'll give you a chance here to give some parting thoughts. And I really appreciate your time today. And you know, for my audience out there, they know that uh, I like to try to keep these uh, you know, information filled and also you know, short and concise. So I hope everyone out there has found it useful. I want to kind of round out by uh, a few themes that I've always run into my uh, conversations. And then Sean, I'll let you tag on to any of this. Uh, a couple of important points to think about. One is in this new world order, uh, regardless whether or not we're talking about post or pre-COVID-19, the reality is the attackers uh, continue to have the upper hand. And you know, I'm a former military member, and I'm I'm really tired of the asymmetric warfare and the fact that they do have the upper hand. Uh, and that's frankly because of what we've been talking about today. That our organizations, understandably have been taking um, very respectfully sort of a haphazard approach in their approach uh, to security. So um, by the, I don't mean uh, that they're not doing a good job or that they're not being um, smart about it. I mean that they obviously have limited budgets and they have to make decisions. And in my view, and I think Sean's experience probably backs this up in a majority of the cases, but in my view, it's been, you know, let's focus on prevention and then, you know, let's work on the other pieces later. And I think that if, if the strategy were more about, let's assume Yes, we need to prevention. We need to put prevention in place. Let's assume prevention is going to fail, and that gets into what we were talking about today. This idea of unified threat management. So yes, we need to put in a good protective posture, but we need to assume it's going to fail because it will because the attackers continue to change the tools and techniques. So when it fails, how quickly can we identify it? How quickly can we respond to it? And that implies that you have the right detective and response capabilities, which implies you have the right people, processes, and technology. And we're not talking about spending an infinite sum of cash to try and figure these things out. We're talking about taking a practical viewpoint about your overall security posture. You know, Do you have the right identify, protect, detect, respond, recover capabilities? And then how does that build into your security program? And so with all of that, the one thing I want to kind of wrap up here with is that, you know, for any business leaders out there, for any of our you know partners that are selling solutions to your customers, the story remains the same. You should really think about service providers as a way to be an augmentation to your staff. Your security teams should not look at them as a challenge or as you know a threat to their employment because, frankly, I think all security professionals could agree that they are overwhelmed with the amount of work that they're doing. And while I used to be a practitioner, used to love managing the tools, there is a place for that. But in my view, as business leaders and business owners, the those security professionals come at a premium and their time and their expertise should be spent on truly strategic projects like one of the things Sean mentioned, rights management, identity protection, data protection. These are complicated things to solve for. Moving into the cloud, these are complicated things to solve for in supporting business objectives. And I would encourage business owners and business leaders out there to think that, you know what, we should leverage service providers that have those mature people, processes, and technology to take care of all of our basics, to maybe help us build us a roadmap, and then our internal teams are now focused more on our truly strategic projects. That's my wrap up. And Sean, I'd just uh, like to pitch my microphone over to you and just say thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much, Dom. And I would just, I would agree with you 100%. It's like security is is that complex. And yet at the same time in, in our world, it's really not. It's just, again, understanding, like you said, what's the business trying to achieve, whether it's a compliance strategy or just trying to feel a little bit safer about what they do. 
But back to the original thing that I mentioned earlier, just think about it like the target symbol. I mean, there's tools at the very basic level to protect our outside walls and the people within our kingdoms. And then, you know, we have to centralize the management of those tools. So I don't, you know, there's so many security providers out there, so many applications. But again, I do think it's sitting together with companies trying to understand the governance, as we call it, you know, how identities work, tools work, what they already have in place, and then build a framework for a security strategy and a, and a way to, you know, manage those unified threats. So, I mean, it's it's not that hard, but you, you got to go through the process because this pandemic and, you know, the future with all the different regulations coming down, we're going to need to have it. And, and I always say, I mean, sometimes companies until, as they say, stuff hits the fan, they don't do a lot about it. But I think we're going to be pushed a lot harder by the insurers, the governments, the international you know, trade that we have. And it's important that we get ahead of it with a, a good security strategy. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Sean. Everyone out there, right. I hope you have a great week ahead. Thanks, guys. I want to thank, uh, as always, Dominic Singer, Vice President, Business Development for Cybersecurity uh, with Telerus, and our other guest, Sean Farrell, Chairman and Founder of Managed Solution. Sean, where should people go if they would like more information about the solutions you provide? Yeah, managedsolution.com is our website, singular at the end. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the S in managed solutions. <laughs> um, and um, very expensive. And so ultimately, start there. And then, you know, we do a lot of end-user trainings, webinars, just trying to educate people on security as a whole. And yes, I know it sits on the back end of what happens in our day-to-day lives as technologists, but it's super important. So anything we can do to educate people, or even like I said at the beginning, give people an idea of where they're vulnerable through these simulated phishing attacks or sort of uh, security scores, if you will. I mean, it's, it's important that you do that just to see where you stand. I couldn't agree more. Sean and Dominic. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Software and Technology Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. If you enjoyed listening, please hit the subscribe button to get all past and future episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, MarketScale.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast content. And if you're looking for more great content, stop by to marketscale.com slash industries, where you can find podcasts, videos, and articles on a variety of topics. I'm your host, James Kent. Let's talk again soon. Thank you.